You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's help in 5768-2007. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayechi. We encounter a very interesting story that requires a little bit of analysis. And God willing, we'll be able to garner a true depth that can help us in our own lives. Yosef, the great Sadik, the great righteous person, Joseph, he finds out that his elderly father Jacob is unwell, and he takes his two sons, Menashe and Ephraim, and he wants to bring them to his father Yaakov to, br- to bless them before his father passes away. Interestingly, as he takes them, the, the order of the verse is Menashe before Ephraim. Menashe is the older one, the younger one is Ephraim. Jacob says to him, Your two sons, Menashe and Ephraim, are going to be to me like Reuven and Shimon. They're going to have a full tribal status. Each of these children of yours, to me, they're like each of the tribes. And he says, Bring them to me and I will bless them. Yosef takes Menashe, the older one, and puts, it in, puts him in front of Yaakov's right hand. And takes a friend, the younger one, and puts him in front of Yaakov's left hand. And Yaakov does something classic, as we all know. He switches his hands. He puts his right hand, instead of putting it on Menashe, he puts his right hand on Ephraim. And he puts his left hand onto Menashe. He switches his hands, putting his right hand, his more important hand, on the younger child. Contrary to what Yosef thought. And putting his left hand, his, least, his less important hand, on Menashe, the older of the two. When Yosef sees this, he's disturbed. He says, Father, what have you done? This is the older one. Menashe is the older one. He should have your right hand, your more important hand. To which Yaakov says, True, it's true. Menashe will also be a great tribe. He will be a great nation of his own. However, Ephraim, the younger one, is going to be greater. Rashi tells us what was greater about Ephraim. Ephraim, from him would come the great Joshua, the leader of the Jewish people after Moshe. After Moshe passed away, Joshua was his greatest disciple. He came from the tribe of Ephraim. And he led the Jewish people for many years after that to conquer Israel. And Ephraim, in fact, for many, many years, was a leading tribe in the people of Israel until the two kingdoms of Israel were split between Judah and Benjamin and the other ten tribes. There's a very important point that I saw brought down in two different svarim about this whole story. And it actually relates to a number of different places previously in the Torah. And it certainly, as we will see, it relates to us as well. Why is it that Ephraim, the younger of the two sons, clearly is the one who ended up becoming the greater of the two? Why is it that he became greater, greater than his older brother, Menashe? Menashe was the firstborn. He was the one maybe, could be that, that Yosef gave him more attention at the very beginning. Why did the older one end up with a lower status and the younger one with a greater status? In one of the Svarim that asks this question, entitled Machat Shalyad by Rabbi Yitzchak David Frankel, he quotes from a book called The Pecking Order, Which Siblings Succeed and Why? And, he's, and he brings down that research shows that firstborns lead the pack in terms of educational attainment, occupational prestige, income, and net worth. On the other hand, he continues, middle children in large families tend to manage the worst. A child's position in the family impacts his personality, his behavior, his learning, and ultimately his earning power. Which means that in the natural course of events, and this is me talking again, in the natural course of events, the most likely to succeed is the older of the brothers, the older of the children, the oldest one, the one who experiences the most 
direct personal attention in his youngest years, the one who experiences the, the honor, let's call it, of being the firstborn, such a person is most likely to succeed. So again, why is it that we find in this story and in numerous other stories, which I'll mention soon, we find that the younger ones are the ones that end up succeeding. More examples of this idea are both brought down in that Sefer that I just quoted from, as well as Rabbi Avigdor Miller's Sefer Ambracious. They give examples. The first example we have is the three sons of Adam. Adam Harishan, the first man, his sons were Cain, Hevel, and Shase. Cain and Hevel, nothing became of them at all. Shase, the youngest of the three, he was the one that succeeded. He was the one who was righteous, and from him all of the people of the world that exist today came from him. Noah came from him. When we look at the three sons of Noah, we had Shem, Ham, and Yafes. Shem was the most successful, but he wasn't the oldest. Actually, Yafes was the oldest of them. However, Shem was the one who became the greatest of them. That's the second example. If we look at the family of Terach, Avram, Avinu, Haran, his siblings, Avram was not the oldest child. However, he was the one who showed his greatness, his spiritual greatness. We continue to Avram, Avinu's sons. We had Yishmael and Yitzchak. Yitzchak was the greater of the two. Look at Yitzchak's sons. We had Esav and Yaakov. Yaakov was the greater of the two. Look at Yaakov's sons of the twelve tribes. Yosef was the one who was the one who would end up leading the people of Israel. And we look at Yosef's children. Again, as we mentioned, Ephraim was the greater. Of, he was the younger one. He was the greater of the two. And you keep seeing this recurring theme, even though it's against the odds and against what seems to be normal human nature. But in the Torah, we find that constantly the younger one or the, or the middle child, the one who is the least likely to succeed is the one who actually does succeed. So the answer to this question has two different dimensions. One is the way Rabbi Frankel explains it in his book, and one is the way Rabbi Victor Miller explains it. Rabbi Frankel explains it that when it comes to spiritual achievement, when it comes to attaining spiritual accomplishments, it doesn't matter how the cards are stacked against the person. What really matters when it comes to spiritual achievement is the effort that a person puts in. Because ultimately, the Pumsar Agra, according to the, according to the effort, so is the reward. But not just that, when it comes down to it, the person who's successful in spiritual terms is the person who has siyata deshmai, he has a special help from heaven. The way Rav Avigdor Miller explains it is slightly different, but it's along the same lines. And he says that Hashem specifically wanted us to see that it doesn't matter how great a person is born. It doesn't matter what his physical appearance is. It doesn't matter how much wealth he has. When it comes down to it, spiritual achievement is available to everyone. Every single person. Even if they're the underdog. We also find this by David HaMelech. It's pointed out. David HaMelech, he was the youngest of the seven sons of Yishai. And he was the one who succeeded. He was the one who became the great David HaMelech. The king who would always have rulership, his children, his great-grandchildren, until the time of Mashiach. The Mashiach would come from him as well. We see it's the underdog because God wants us to know when it comes to spiritual attainment, all that counts is the efforts that a person puts in and the siyat dishma, the divine assistance that he has. And that's the ultimate recipe for success. I would venture to take this idea even a step further. If we look around at the world and we see who is successful in spiritual terms, who are the people that have made it spiritually? It's the people who have had to deal with adversity. They weren't the people that you would have thought would have succeeded. There's a certain Rebbe who's a Rosh Yeshiva in a very, very famous Yeshiva in Israel. And when he first became the Rosh Yeshiva of this Yeshiva, everyone said, this guy's not going to make it too long. Because he wasn't someone who was a dynamic personality. He wasn't somebody who 
everyone looked at as being this tremendous leader. He was what you would call the underdog. But what happened was when he took on the mantle of leadership, somehow when he became that person who was the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the Yeshiva, he found within himself strengths that he perhaps didn't know that even existed. And he led this Yeshiva to become one of the largest Yeshivas in Israel and perhaps one of the largest Yeshivas in the entire world. Later in life, this man developed a difficult disease that he deals with to, to this day, but it doesn't stop him from every single day. He's running from here to there, giving shiurim, Torah classes, and collecting money for his yeshiva. Nothing can stop him, because once he realized the potential that's land within him, it, it inspired him to become a great person and to lead his yeshiva to greatness. This idea plays itself out in a number of different places. Another thing that I had once heard, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, but it definitely deserves mention in this in this particular podcast. I was once discussing with a certain person about the idea of going into Kiruv outreach for Jewish people, and this person said to me that a friend of his, or I don't remember if it was a friend or a brother of his, went out to do, to do Kiruv outreach in Australia. And a certain rabbi said to him that you should know that although you are the one that's going out to do outreach and you think that you're going to be giving to them, to those people, the truth is that you're going to be gaining more from them than you're going to be giving to them. Because you're going to find people who are excited and interested in Judaism and in religion and in finding out about God. And it's going to be more inspiring to you than you're inspiring to them. That's what this friend of mine's brother was told. And what you see is that even in the most underprivileged place when it comes to spiritual attainments, a place where there's no opportunities, but there's there's like this rose in the desert that can grow right there. And it can bloom and blossom and really be an inspiration to those who are even more fortunate when it came to spiritual attainments. There's a very interesting Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, which I also may have quoted, but, I, but again it applies here. It's very important. And the Gemara says, Whoever learns the Torah, and he doesn't teach it, he's like a sweet-smelling spice in the Midbar, in the, in the desert. No one, can, no one has an opportunity to enjoy it. Whoever learns the Torah and teaches it in a place where there's no one else to teach, he's like that same spice in the Midbar, but anyone who's going to pass by that place, that's where they're going to get it from because there's no one else to get it from in the middle of the desert. And the idea is, again, that in a place where there seems to be this dearth, this lack of opportunity, that's where the, the flower, the beautiful spice, the, the, the wonderful smelling hadas can grow. And people who are going to walk by, that's where they can take it from. And this all really boils down to the idea that spirituality, the attainment of spirituality, is not really dependent on outside factors. You want to find real spirituality, you're not going to find it in the place that it's most likely on the surface to, to be there. This concept plays itself out again in another place. Rav Zelik Pliskin in his book, Growth Through Torah, on this week's Parsha, a little bit later in the Parsha, he asks an interesting question. Why is it that the Torah was given in a midbar, in a desert? Why wasn't it given when the people came into Eretz Yisrael, when they moved into Israel, and they had their houses and their vineyards, and they had all of their comforts, everything that they needed, and their minds were at ease? Then they should be able to receive the Torah. Why was the Torah specifically given in a desert, in a place that was difficult to survive, where all of their needs, they, they didn't even know where it was going to come from the next day? Why was it given there? 
So he quotes from Rav Yerucham Levavitz, and he says that you have to understand that when it comes to Torah, attainment of spiritual acquisitions like the Torah, in order for a person to attain those things, it's it's very nice, it's important that a person have menuchas hanefesh, he have, that he have tranquility of mind, of soul, of body. That's important. But a person has to realize that he has to be able to attain that no matter where he is. Let's say he doesn't have his favorite socks on. Let's say he didn't have his prerequisite bowl of Cheerios that morning. He didn't have his Wheaties. So what's going to happen? The whole day is not going to be able to learn. If, it, if the Torah would have been given in Eretz Yisrael, then a person would have to have all of his amenities before he could possibly begin to start having any kind of spiritual attainments. When, when Hashem gave the Torah to us in the Midbar, in the desert, He was showing us that in order to attain spirituality, you have to be able to divorce yourself from all of your needs and from all of the external things. The great Esav, he was so wonderful, he was born with this wonderful physical maturity. But he was lacking something. Because of that, he had a greater challenge. And his challenge was to be able to find the spirituality, to be able to find that peace of mind, the perfection inside of him, even when he didn't have all the perfect, perfect things, perfect situations outside of him. He didn't, he didn't accomplish that. But Yaakov Avinu, the, the younger of the two, and so many times, so many times it was the younger of the, of, the, of the children. And the reason is because they started off with greater challenges and they had to somehow find it within them, let's say the tranquility or the, the centeredness, the spiritual centeredness. They had to find it within themselves. They couldn't rely on other things. That's why the Torah is given in a midbar. It's given in the desert for us to realize that in order for us to attain spiritual attainments, we can't wait until everything is perfect. We have to try our hardest to deal with exactly the situation that we have. Exactly the situation, we may have a lot of adversity, we may have a lot of challenges, we may have learning disabilities, we may have attention deficit disorder. It doesn't matter what it is. Hashem gave us, every single one of us, our situation in order for us to overcome it and to deal with it. And, and if a person prays properly and a person tries his hardest, Hashem gives him special siyata dishmai. He can overcome every single challenge that comes his way. All he needs to do is to rely on Hashem, trust in God. And in that way, he can attain the highest spiritual heights. Thank you so much for listening. A very good Shabbos.